Hi, everyone. I'm Mark Legere. Welcome to Home Office on the Huddle Podcast Network. As the editor of a publication that celebrates stories about growth in the regional economy, I struggle with the problem of environmental impact. Building stuff, making and selling stuff, for more and more people, is a cornerstone of growth. This also generally leads to increased greenhouse gas emissions on a local and global scale. So I get really excited about companies finding solutions to this problem that allow for growth and lessen the impact on the environment. Jennifer Wagner is the president of Carbon Cure Technologies. The Dartmouth-based company is on a mission to reduce greenhouse gas emissions in the construction industry. Cement, the main ingredient in concrete, is responsible for 7% of global emissions. And Jennifer will explain this better in our chat on this week's podcast. But the company has developed a system to inject carbon dioxide into the mixing process. The CO2 is converted into a mineral, which makes the concrete stronger and reduces carbon emissions. This innovation has captured the attention of global corporate giants. Through venture capital funds, Carbon Cure has received investments from the likes of Amazon, Microsoft, Bill Gates, and Michael Bloomberg. Shopify is buying carbon offsets from the company as part of its sustainability program. And Amazon is also a Carbon Cure customer, using the technology in the construction of its new buildings. Heavy hitters like Gates are excited about Carbon Cure, and I am too. I hope you enjoy my chat with Jennifer. Well, hi, Jennifer. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm very good. How are you today? Doing pretty well. Yeah. So tell me, where do I find you today? I am sitting in my living room in Charlottetown, PEI. And uh, so you're based out of Charlottetown? Yes, I am. I uh, We've lived here for the last few years and had been commuting back and forth to our headquarters in Dartmouth, but I've been uh, trapped on the island for the last little while here. So looking forward to getting back. And so how, how has that been? Tell me, uh, how has the, the pandemic been for, for you guys over there? Uh, I mean, much like the rest of uh, Atlantic Canada, we've done quite well. Um, there hasn't been a, a whole lot of cases here. And up until quite recently, I know Nova Scotia was uh, doing uh, just as well. But unfortunately, with the recent outbreak, things have kind of um, gone by the wayside, but hoping that that gets turned around here uh, for the summer. And I know there's a lot of people for business and personal reasons who'd like to be able to travel a bit more freely around Atlantic Canada. So hoping that we get there in the next few weeks. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and do you have, uh, are, are you at home with your family uh, working from home? Thankfully not. So uh, the I have two small kids and uh, the daycares and the schools shut down for a couple of weeks when the pandemic first hit. Uh, so that was quite quite a challenge. Uh, working and uh, managing the family at the same time was uh, nearly impossible. But uh, fortunately, the, the things have been opened up um, more or less since um, last June. So they've been going to daycare and school. And so I've had the days to get uh, back into work. So that's been a real treat because I know a lot of other folks who I speak with in other parts of the world uh, don't have that luxury. So I feel quite fortunate to be able to to have a full day's work. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we um, we have a, a 12, well now a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old and it was the same for us the first couple of months of the pandemic was us uh, with our with our home school and we all had our own offices set up and uh you know things all looked promising in the beginning and of course uh things started to go a little bit haywire with young kids at home but but overall it was it was really it, you know it was really good uh and you know we had yeah like you say we have been we've been very lucky uh for sure uh, how old are your kids they're uh 
two and five. So um, I was on a call the other day with uh, someone in Toronto. He was a, a CEO of a tech company and he was wearing his baby on the uh, on the Zoom call. So I think anything goes these days. And uh, I think in a way it's made people a lot more human and kind of relatable. So maybe that's the silver lining. Yeah, I know for sure. I was on a, I was uh, sitting in on a, a planning and advisory committee for the city here in, in St. John a couple of days, just on a, on a variance that, you know, a simple issue. And uh, she was chairing a meeting of, you know, probably 15 people on the call and, 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 and you could see uh, her child running, kind of running around in the background and, uh, <laughs> you know, wanting in on the meeting. So I think it's just something that we're, we're all getting used to uh, and something for you too, for sure. It, it with, with two and five. Yeah. So they yeah. don't listen when I say, uh, get out of here. Um, I, I often think of back to that, you know, the video a few years ago with that fellow on, um, on the news, uh, the news uh, segment and his two children kind of wandered in and he was, you know, pushing them in their face and trying to discreetly shove them to the side. But <laughs> I, I, I've had a few of those moments myself, but uh, I think people understand the situation. Oh. Just yeah, trying, to, trying to make the best of things. Totally, for sure. Totally. Um, so tell me, uh, you, you, have you been with uh, Carbon Cure since the beginning? What, what's your own history with the company? Yeah, so I originally um, met our founder, uh, a guy named Rob Niven, uh, about 11 years ago, I guess. And at the time, he was running a consulting firm called Carbon Sense Solutions. And uh, the the firm was doing primarily carbon management consulting for large emitters, uh, but they were also doing some very early research into using carbon dioxide to make uh, concrete. And so when I was finishing my degree, I had done some networking to find uh, a job and uh, grabbed a coffee with Rob and he was uh, looking for some help and I was looking for a place to land after my um, graduation. So uh, we met up and uh, a couple of years later, we were we rebranded to what is now Carbon Cure and put the consulting to rest and uh, focused exclusively on scaling the, the tech side of the business. And what attracted to you, what attracted you to, to, to that business? Like, what was it that in, inspired you or intrigued you about it? Well, I think the concrete industry is one of the largest industries on earth. Uh, concrete's actually the most abundant man-made material. Uh, so there's a lot of it out there. And of course, um, the main ingredient in concrete is cement. And cement alone represents about 8% of global emissions. So just to, due to the sheer volume of the cement and concrete sectors, uh, they have a relatively large environmental footprint. So they're trying to find ways to reduce that. And uh, using CO2 and concrete, is a what we've shown is now can be a solution to help the industry meet uh, its climate targets. So I was really inspired by the creativity of using uh, chemistry, taking advantage of chemistry, and actually creating a climate solution. And is this something that that Rob had uh, developed himself? Yeah. So carbon dioxide has actually been used in concrete for about a hundred years. And so the, the chemistry is actually well understood, but the way that we do it is what is unique. So um, without getting too much into uh, the weeds on the technology, uh, we inject carbon dioxide into concrete while it's being mixed and a reaction happens where the carbon dioxide actually becomes permanently 
mineralized within the concrete, so it will never be released. And so Rob, as part of his studies, uh, was doing some research to um, to investigate how that worked and uh, really just discovered that there was a business opportunity as well. I think that's one thing that makes our company quite unique is that we offer technology that's not only good for the environment, but it's also uh, good for the economy as well. And I think that's one of the reasons why we've scaled up so quickly. And, and can you tell me a little bit about the environmental impact of, of doing things this way? Yeah. So to really understand what the impact is, um, you can think about it sort of uh, in terms of how the technology actually works. So we're using the carbon dioxide uh, to make the concrete uh, greener. And so two things happen when you add the CO2 to concrete. So the first is that we're what uh, is called mineralizing the CO2 within the concrete. So we're actually converting that waste material into a solid. And so even if that concrete building gets torn down in 50 years, the carbon dioxide will not be released. It's, it's permanently um, mineralized into a stone. But what's really interesting is that when you add the carbon dioxide to the concrete, it actually makes it stronger. And so that allows for the concrete producer to actually use less cement in their mixes to achieve the desired strength of the concrete. And so that provides further environmental benefits, um, but also gives them some business reasons to adopt the technology as well. So if you can imagine once a concrete producer adopts the technology at their plant, they're no longer just supplying that gray stuff to the market. It's now a differentiated product. And so they can use that as an advantage in the marketplace um, to satisfy the demand for lower carbon products. And, and you know, forgive me, because like I'm, a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an English major uh, and philosophy major uh, coming to this conversation. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm fascinated by, by learning about this process. And I'm always trying to figure out, I was trying to figure out ways to simplify it for myself. I was, I, one of the things that's really fascinating about your company for me is, you know, addition to the technology is, are the companies and the people um, that are supporting you, investing in you, talking about your technology and, I was watching uh, a video produced by uh, Bill Gates and um, it, that I watched off a blog that he'd written in which he'd mentioned your company. And, you know, he had said, you know, that the, there could be, well, actually through the video, I think it might've been Rob saying something like, you know, looking at, you know, saving 500 megatons of CO2 a year that could take like, you know, hundred billion, hundred million cars off the road. Um, That's or, exactly it. And, and also talking about the, the potential impact in terms of the carbon sink. And, and it's, it's like looking at, you know, a huge forests of trees that, that, uh, that keeps, keep CO2 from going into the atmosphere. So I started thinking about your technology in those kind of grounded ways that, that, that we all understand in terms of cars on the road, in terms of the car, the trees that act as carbon sinks. That's right. Yeah. So w when you think about um, at, a, at a high level, uh, what we're doing is taking a product that nobody wants, carbon dioxide, and actually creating some value from it. And so that sector is called uh, carbon utilization. So essentially taking a waste product and actually creating some valuable products with it um, through a process called carbon utilization. And so when you think about what you can make with CO2, chemistry tells you what you can and can't do. Um, so you can make fuels, you can make plastics, you can make chemicals building materials and of course we're making concrete so that 
segment of uh, the utilization space, there's been quite a bit of research shown that we can actually create a trillion dollars of new market opportunities and reduce global emissions by up to 15% by the end of this decade. So it's a massive opportunity to take something we don't want and actually create something of value. When you think about Carbon Cure's place in that sort of um, segment, we've actually established a roadmap to get to 500 million tons of reductions in the year 2030. And that number will increase every year after that. And so the main reason or the main way we're going to achieve that is by expanding geographically into new markets, but also continuing to innovate and bring new products to market. And so we've, uh, we've brought a handful of products to market to date, and we're always thinking about what's next in our pipeline. Right. So when, uh, at what, at what stage, cause you would have joined this company in the early days, at what stage did you, did you go to market? So the first technology we brought to market was for a concrete block. So you may be familiar with the Shaw Group. So they're a well-known Atlantic Canadian building materials company. So they essentially let us uh, have the keys to their plants and play around with some really early ideas. Um, what we do now is dramatically different than what we did 10 years ago when we were testing out those first ideas. But we needed to do that in order to test out our concepts industrially. So something that works in the lab doesn't always work out in the real world. So you have to get out into those industrial settings to really test test it out. And so after many years of sort of back and forth, going from the lab to a plant and kind of getting that data and then taking it back and, and iterating on our ideas, uh, we were able then to expand into ready mix concrete, which is represents the greatest proportion of the concrete industry. So that would be the concrete mixers that you would see driving down the street, pouring a foundation or pouring a sidewalk. And so we now have a solution for ready mix concrete as well. And that's the, the segment of the market where we're seeing the most growth. Uh, we also have a solution for what's called precast concrete. Um, as part of the Carbon X Prize, which we were just awarded uh, the final prize uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we were demonstrating our solution for what's called reclaimed water. So that would be the wastewater generated at a concrete plant. And then we're also working on some earlier stage ideas to treat concrete aggregate with CO2. You can see we're definitely, we're not a one trick pony. We have many uh, uh, technologies in our portfolio, all of which consume waste carbon dioxide to make concrete better. So, so tell me a little bit about your, your global footprint now in terms of you know, the, the number of, of uh, you know, concrete producers you're working with, you know, the countries that you're working in? So we started out with one plant in Nova Scotia, and now we've just hit about 350 plants around the world are using our technology every day. We've also just recently hit a major milestone where we delivered our millionth truckload of concrete to a job site. So that was a major milestone for our team. Um, we're in every continent except for Africa and Antarctica. Uh, and we also work with um, partners around the world uh, through distributor arrangements because uh, they have the local expertise in market to be able to sell on our behalf. So we have uh, about a dozen distributors around the world now operating to uh, bring Carbon Cure to uh, many more markets around the world. 
Now, do you actually, do you produce uh, concrete yourself or do you supply the technology to, to the concrete making operations? How does it work? That's a great question. So Car- Carbon Cure is a technology company. So we work with existing plants and install our technology into their plants so that they are able to then start supplying low carbon concrete to the market. The technology gets installed in about a day. It looks about the size of a small TV or a toaster oven. Uh, there'd be two boxes that will get installed. And then after our installation, the concrete producer is able to start supplying low carbon concrete to the market. We've designed the technology in such a way that we want to really minimize the barriers to adoption as much as possible. And so over the last decade, we've been refining the technology and the business model to really make it as easy as possible for those concrete producers to adopt. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're growing so quickly is because we've really made it as as easy as possible to integrate into their plant. And, uh, and it takes no time at all. It doesn't disrupt their operation. And it's a, it's a relatively easy way for them to start to um, reduce their carbon footprint. And the potential market is quite large, isn't it? You've, you've sort of secured a small part of it, um, but, but the, potential, the potential size of the market for you is, is quite big. There are 100,000 concrete plants in the world, and we're servicing 350 of them today. So we really are just scratching the surface. There's a lot more opportunity out there. We just have to move uh, as quickly as we possibly can because when you think about climate change, time is definitely not on our side. And so we're really trying to think about how we can accelerate that growth. And there's a few ways that we can do that around um, finding partners in the private sector to uh, specify low carbon concrete on their projects. So just for instance, we recently did uh, Amazon HQ2. So if they Amazon is committed to building sustainably, then that can encourage the local concrete producers to adopt these greener technologies. Uh, another pillar that we're, we're uh, leveraging is around public procurement. So there's some great examples in the U.S. where local governments are requiring or giving preferential treatment to concrete that has a lower carbon footprint. And that can also help to accelerate the conversion of the market. Um, carbon offsets is another lever that we can pull. So we've sold carbon credits to uh, companies like Shopify and Stripe uh, who are committed to um, transitioning to net zero. And so those carbon offset revenues can help to dramatically accelerate uh, the adoption of technologies like carbon cures. Right. So if I understand right, um, and I, I want to talk about your your relationship with, with Amazon and more in a minute, but um, the Shopify uh, deal that uh, you struck, uh, I think it was last fall where they were going to buy carbon offsets from you as part of their climate program. How does that, the carbon offset work with companies like Shopify? Does it, does it give you, uh, you know, money to continue to invest in your operations and in your technology? How, like, how does that offset work? So companies like Shopify and Stripe who understand that we need to scale up climate solutions like carbon cures have committed to investing in carbon credits or carbon offsets. And then when you think about carbon cures role is once we install the technology in a concrete plant, those concrete plants will be generating reductions, carbon credits that can be sold to companies like Shopify and Stripe. And what's really unique about our model is that when we bring those carbon offset revenues to the table, 
we actually share the credit revenue with the concrete producer. And what that does is it creates an incentive for the concrete producers to use the technology as much as they possibly can, to adopt it at more plants, and to really do everything they can to reduce their carbon footprint as much as possible because they want to maximize that offset revenue. And that's really the whole point of why offsets exist. There's been um, some negative press with offsets in the past, mainly around uh, difficulties around measuring uh, and permanence of credits, specifically with forestry solutions, because someone may invest in a, in a project to plant some trees, but what if that forest burns down or the owner decides to clear cut? And then what happened to all those offsets that were purchased? So there's been some, uh, some credibility issues. Uh, fortunately, when you think about what we do, it's called what's called an engineered solution. So we can actually very easily monitor exactly how much carbon dioxide uh, we're reducing and therefore how many credits we create. And so we're seeing a lot of um, uh, reform happen in the voluntary offset market and sort of the segmentation between uh, lower quality offsets and higher quality offsets. Right. So the measurement tools are just really good in, in, uh, with the technology that you have in place. Right. So every single one of our systems is equipped with what's called telemetry. And so all of our systems are connected to the cloud. And so every day I can log on to my dashboard and see how many credits are being created and how much concrete is being shipped in every one of those 350 plants. And so that provides an advantage when we go to sell those carbon offsets to a buyer because we can be fully transparent in how those credits are being created. Can you tell me a little bit about your the relate your relationship with with Amazon as a, a customer? How how did that come about and evolve? So the last few years we've heard more and more about net zero commitments. There's been a growing number of uh, governments and corporations who have committed to reaching net zero emissions over the coming decades. And tech companies do seem to be leading that way. So for companies like Amazon, they have a new climate fund. Uh, they're building green on all of their construction projects. Uh, Microsoft is also committing to purchasing carbon credits. They've got a new fund as well committed to climate solutions. Shopify and Stripe are buying offsets. So you're seeing a lot of momentum in the tech space um, where these companies really understand that they have a responsibility to help scale these solutions. Uh, governments also play a role as well where uh, you'd be hard pressed to find a, a city who hasn't uh, committed to net zero over the next few decades. So I think these are great signals for industry to say there is demand for low carbon products. And I think that's been helping uh, our growth is when the local concrete producers can see that there's demand uh, not only for the carbon offsets, but also for the concrete that's made with our technology. So we recently shipped concrete to uh, Amazon's HQ2 project. And that is a, obviously a very large project that uses a lot of concrete. And so that's a great way to bring on new customers in those new markets. So this market, this concept of market demand pull is really quite powerful when you think about transitioning to a, a lower carbon economy. And, and companies like Amazon have also uh, come in as venture capital investors in Carbon Cure as well, yeah? That's right. So many of these tech companies 
uh, have launched climate funds over the last few years. And uh, many of them are now investors in Carbon Cure. Um, so uh, Breakthrough Energy Ventures, uh, who's uh, 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 Bill Gates is the, the chair of their board. Um, it's essentially a, a group of uh, some of the world's largest wealthy um, uh, business people. And they have committed to, I think it's just recently announced another billion dollars into their fund uh, to scale up climate solutions. Amazon is another. Uh, Microsoft also has a, a new fund as well. And so they've all committed to supporting Carbon Cure in our in our uh, scaling efforts. It, it, Jennifer, when you look back to, you know, your early days of, of talking to Rob about, you know, joining this company, uh, what if somebody had told you, uh, when you when you do the look ahead that that the Amazons and the Shopify's and the Microsoft's and the Bill Gates's of the world uh, are going to get really excited about this. <laughs> what would you have, what would you have said or thought? Um, I mean, these are some of the smartest people in the world. And so I guess if I really were to think about it, um, it's really comes as no surprise that they understand the urgency of acting now to prevent climate change's worst impacts. Um, and these companies also have relatively large footprints. So they have a, a responsibility to uh, help fund some of the solutions that will help us fight climate change. So um, were we, you know, chasing after Amazon and Microsoft when we were raising our Series A? No. Um, but I think we've shown that uh, Carbon Cure has a really scalable, uh, proven solution uh, that the world can get really excited about. And, and clearly they agree. It it really seems to say something too about uh, you know the power of of Atlantic Canadian companies like yours uh, to be able to to be able to scale and and develop technologies and and reach those outside markets and those big players from here. Eh? I think especially COVID has made the world a lot smaller. Uh, I think you can you can start up a company uh, pretty much anywhere in the world today. And I think there's no better place that we could have started our business than in Atlantic Canada. I think we we have a really unique opportunity to to take a um, a position, uh, a leadership position in in the world stage when it comes to um, starting up and scaling clean tech solutions. So we're very proud to be Atlantic Canadian, and uh, not sure we could have started the business anywhere else. So uh, tell me a little bit just about the, uh, the you know your operations themselves. So you you're in PEI. Um, uh, Rob's uh, based uh, back in BC now again, is he? Yeah. So when we first started the company a decade ago, uh, every team member more or less was sitting around the same desk, and I remember there was a conversation we had at one point when we were maybe about twenty people, and we we were deciding how to grow the business to the next level. And deciding whether to hire, uh, you know, within Halifax or to look more broadly and, and bring on um, talent from across North America. And we, we chose the latter. So most of our people are in Halifax, but we do have some people uh, in different markets around North America. And I think that's actually worked to our advantage uh, in that our customers are also scattered around North America. So we have a couple of coast customers. Canada, but most of them are actually in the U.S. And so it is uh, quite helpful to have um, some of our technical um, uh, uh, people and our, in our engineers physically located close to our customers uh, because they can then provide better customer service. 
So why, um, why, why Dartmouth, uh, the Halifax area originally, were, were you all living there at the time? We were, yeah. So um, I mentioned, uh, yeah, the first, I would say, 20 people who joined the company were all based in uh, Halifax. Uh, either they'd recently graduated from one of the local universities or they lived there for family reasons. And then uh, uh, we had one fellow working in Montreal who eventually relocated to Halifax as well. And as we started to grow, we were actually um, uh, one of the um, companies at uh, one of the Novacorps facilities, uh, but we quickly outgrew that space and needed our, our own uh, industrial um, research center. So we moved over to Burnside and uh, established a, a fairly robust lab over there. We're actually in the process of uh, opening a second location in Dartmouth, which will be focused more on the engineering side of the business. Um, and of course, pre-pandemic, we'd have uh, people coming in uh, quite regularly from the other um, uh, other parts of the country, but of course that hasn't happened. And so we've been having uh, lots of Zoom calls and really adapting to this new uh, remote uh, work culture, but it definitely has not uh, decreased our productivity at all. If anything, I think it's it's increased it. Right, because you're just not traveling as much to see each other and to see customers. You're doing more over Zoom. Yeah, the pandemic has really forced us to rethink how we run our business. And uh, some of the solutions that we've come up with actually just make more sense. So one good example is that we used to physically send engineers on planes with the equipment to install the technology at concrete plants. Uh, you know, you have to fly somewhere, you do the installation, it would take a day, and then you have to fly home. So it would take at least three days. Now our engineers can sit at home in their living room and do three or four of these in one day. So it's a lot more efficient and cost-effective. So I think that's one example of something that we've, uh, there's a new best practice and, and we definitely won't be going back to the old way of doing things. Right. And I suppose too, in terms of the company's overall goal of, you know, reducing our environmental footprint, there's probably uh, advantages in terms of your own, you know, personal and corporate goals around, you know, not having to fly as much around the world and being able to do things from, you know, from your couch in your living room. We actually looked into this and despite record growth in terms of people, customers and impact last year, we had a uh, our, our lowest carbon footprint essentially on record. So uh, that's a good news story. For sure. Do you see coming out of the pandemic? I mean, I know it's fits and starts now, right? So we make gains and then, you know, there are setbacks and Nova Scotia is certainly going through that now. Do you see these becoming permanent, even in an age where we're able to, to fly around uh, more often and visit customers and, and you know, visit, you know, uh, remote workers? I think there's some solutions that we've developed that just make more sense. And the, the pandemic allowed for those conversations to occur with our customers. So if we'd ask someone to join a Zoom call two years ago, they'd say, what's Zoom? But now this is just how the world works. And so it's opened the door to leveraging some technology to create some efficiencies. I think the one thing that is missing that I am looking forward to getting back to is seeing our colleagues face to face. Um, over the last year, we've grown from 40 people to 100. And so I haven't physically met 60 of my colleagues. And so I'm really looking forward to uh, sitting down with them, you know, grabbing a beer and, and, uh, and getting to know them on a more personal level as well once, uh, once things return to normal. 
No, absolutely. And I think we're, we're in this, in the same boat too. We were, we were ready to jump in our cars and go down to visit our people in Halifax. Cause I'm based here in St. John. And then, you know, then the Atlantic bubble didn't open up. So I think, uh, we're definitely all looking forward to that. Um, I'm, I'm, um, mindful of your time. I really appreciate the time that you're, you're giving me. I just had a couple more questions for you, mostly around, uh, the kind of future growth of the company. Um, and I'm thinking in terms of the, you know, the, 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 the companies that you have backing you and, and that want to see you succeed, you know, being, having the Bill Gates's and having the Amazons, does that, does that help you in terms of, uh, growing yourself, the growing the company, you know, globally, like do, do people recognize that you have these big supporters in addition to, you know, the great technological solution that you have, uh, that obviously will have a big impact on, on their companies day to day. We've had a lot of success over the last decade. Uh, but we really have a lot more work to do. I mentioned there's 100,000 concrete plants in the world, and we're working with 350 of them. So I think we've demonstrated that we have traction, uh, but there's a lot more that we can do. And we definitely cannot do that alone. So we do need partners to help us scale up. And I think having uh, strong investors, uh, strong customers, uh, partners on the policy side and in the private sector, uh, offset buyers, there's really we're part of a larger ecosystem here where no one company or no one solution uh, can solve climate change on their own. We really need to, to work at this together because the, the, the magnitude of the problem is just so enormous. So I think um, with great partners, uh, that our chances of uh, getting to where we need to be go way up. Right. To this point, um, in terms of your you know, you know, your funding rounds, um, do you talk much about how, how much has been invested so far by, by various outside investors? I No, I can't talk about specific numbers, but what I can say is that we've raised um, uh, our last round was our Series D round, and that was co-led by Breakthrough Energy Ventures and Amazon, and also uh, had participation by Microsoft. Uh, and Shopify and a few uh, property tech developers uh, from different markets around the world. Um, so we, uh, we're, we're, we're well cashed up and uh, focused on growth here for the next little while. Right. And is it possible down the road that, that you would go public through an IPO or, or a SPAC? Is that something that you're looking at? So we're leaving all of our options open at this stage. Um, with, since we did just close our, our round in the fall, uh, we really are uh, turning our attention to growth and execution. So um, I think this recent X Prize win um, put a little extra uh, fuel on the fire as well. So um, we're really excited about uh, what's next and doing everything we can to accelerate our pathway to our mission of 500 million tons of reductions in the year 2030. And uh, we're really excited about the future. Great. And I guess with, uh, with that, reaching that target, um, getting the private sector to, to embrace this solution, but also getting uh, governments that do a lot of procurements um, on big, big public projects are all important. That's right. Yeah, government tends to be the largest buyer of concrete. So there's definitely a role that uh, public procurement can play in helping to transition the concrete sector to uh, a lower carbon environment. Well, that's great. Well, well, Jennifer, I really appreciate you uh, you joining me. Great. Thank you, Mark. And uh, have a great day. You too. Take care now. You've been listening to the latest episode of Huddle Home Office. Thanks, Jennifer, for the great chat. Home Office is produced by me, Mark Legere, and Cherise Letson. 
You can subscribe to the show on podcast platforms like Apple and Spotify. And if you've enjoyed listening, please recommend us to a friend. Talk to you next week.